Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary. This week I spoke with Nick Estes. Nick is an indigenous scholar, activist and assistant professor in the American Studies Department at the University of New Mexico. His research engages colonialism, global indigenous histories, decolonization, oral history, US imperialism. It's a fascinating conversation. You're going to learn a lot from it, I think. And in this section that I chose, we talk about the financial crisis, fracking. We also talked about how many of the policies for which Donald Trump is, many would say, rightly condemned, actually were inaugurated under Barack Obama. You can probably hear that I've got children in the background and that is a that's a fact if you'd like to listen to the rest of this podcast and all of my weekly under the skin podcast all you have to do is download luminary you can get a subscription for as little as two dollars 99 a month with their annual plan plus a seven day free trial to get started also i have a brand new meditation podcast also on luminary above the noise where each week i do a guided meditation it's completely different of course from under the skin it's i'm much more relaxed than i jen yes okay <laughs> Cool. You what? You're very good. Thank you. Like she thought today. Oh, yeah. Relaxing. Were, well, there you go. See, it's one of the names. <laughs> now time for comments. From the yoga with Adrian episode, Natasha Edwards holistic therapy. Love, love, love this woman. She's got me through a lot this lockdown for amazing online classes. Jaseele Craig. Oh, sweet Adrian. <laughs> She's been there for me in more ways than she could ever imagine. Jessie, that sounds absurd. Her yoga is by far the most spiritual and out of this world relaxing. I've literally fallen asleep. What a treat to see her speaking with you, Russell. Well, I loved her as well. Kesmic, I love Adrian. I've so far managed yoga every day this year due to her monthly calendars and inspiration. The improvements in body and mind are amazing. She takes her work seriously, but doesn't take herself too seriously. Oh, her work seriously. I definitely feel the yoga now instead of doing it. I've found out what feels good. Well, that's what more could you want from a teacher. You agree with those comments? Yeah. Yeah. What? You're going to keep the sunglasses on now? The world looks so good right now. What's it like, orange? It's kind of golden tint. Well, guess have a go. Give me a go of them. No, your head's bigger. I'm not, oh, you're <laughs> so precious. Did you get a brand name? My head's not wider. No, because even in the shop, you fix them to fit my head properly. Oh, God. These glasses, they're like your new partner. Why <laughs> yeah. don't you marry the glasses? I would if I could. Why don't you put go on a dating app and just get yourself a 10 grand pair of sunglasses? I didn't mention it on the dating app. Well, your new sunglasses? Yeah. <laughs> What's this app you're on? I'm not telling you. Is it one you pay for or not? No, I would never pay for that. <laughs> but you're willing to be a bit on the a bit fluff on the side. Okay, time now for listener shout outs. Listener shout outs. Andy Chapman in New Zealand says, Every Tuesday I clean our house while listening to your show. If you ever wonder what your audience is doing while listening, well, now you know. I do wonder, but I like to think they're sitting quietly, perfectly still, absorbing every word. I'm wiping the toilet thinking about how when you get to heaven you'll find out Jenny's actually the Messiah. Well, that'd be very unlikely. Maybe in the other place. And you're going to have to ask very nicely to be let in. Anyway, I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on education. Yep, I'm into Waldorf. If there's going to be change in the world... Why are you laughing at me saying Waldorf? If there's going to be change in the world, I think it will start with teaching children and adult, adults differently. Well, there's a lot of sense in what you're saying there, Andy. It's, it's difficult to argue with that. Hey, listen, guys, I'm live. I'm going to be doing live dates, so keep watching out. If you're not a member of my mailing list over at russellbrand.com, get on it now because I'm going to be announcing some live tour dates very, very soon. So watch out for that announcement. So Okay, so in this section, we're giving you for free in the hope that you'll go over to Luminary and subscribe for the whole of, you know, for all of Under the Skin, but also all the other great content that Luminary hosts, including now Dave Chappelle and his Midnight uh, Miracle, Midnight Miracle podcast. Like Chappelle, for God's sake, and, and uh, most deaf. I mean, it's sort of unbelievable. 
Yeah, anyway, go and subscribe to it, would you? Let's have a listen to this. Interesting political conversation, interesting bit of analysis. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful that, route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the skin. So to kind of get to the, you know, the, the facts of the matter, you know, in 2008, there was a global financial crisis. In the United States, there was also what we now know as the, the fracking revolution. Um, fracking technology, you know, uh, was kind of uh, being implemented. It was a way, it was hydraulic fracturing. It was a way to get at previously inaccessible or expensive forms of oil and gas in the Earth's crust. Um, and so these two things coincided, a global financial collapse as well, as well as a fracking revolution. Under Obama's administration, he implemented, you know, uh, what he called the all of the above energy policy or American, or American energy independence. And this meant increased uh, domestic oil production so that the United States could wean itself off of, you know, foreign oil, especially like in places like, you know, Iran or, or Venezuela, and began implementing harsher sanctions against those countries as a result. And this is something that we talk about as indigenous people, we, we understand geopolitics, we understand why they're coming after our land and why they're coming after our resources. And so this began the fracking revolution, and domestic energy production or domestic oil and gas production in the United States under Obama increased 88%. Right. And you also have the creation of the tar sands in, in Alberta, Canada, which has created a dead zone larger than the state of Florida. I don't know if that means anything, anything to your listeners, but it's a, it's a huge area of, of land that has been completely destroyed. They built walls around it um, to, to essentially extract this very dirty oil. And the Canadian government you know, subsidize a lot of these projects, a lot of these Canadian corporations. Canada is often seen as, you know, the nice alternative to the United States, but Canada is also home to 60% of the world's mining corporations that plunder the rest of the planet, you know, including <laughs> my, my homelands uh, where I'm from. And so they, you know, they, they put through pipelines such as the Keystone XL pipeline. And so this is where the, the fight against the pipelines erupts. This is where the Dakota Access Pipeline really, you know, really kind of uh, galvanizes indigenous people. It was actually the Keystone XL pipeline for us, but you know, after we, we sort of won the Keystone XL pipeline fight, then we switched to the Dakota Access pipeline fight. And we can talk about that later, but the outcome of that was that under Obama, that, that pipeline you know, was finished uh, and then sort of finalized under Trump. And we often attribute a lot of the kind of bad energy policy and the fossil fuel, the expansion of the fossil, a very aggressive expansion of the fossil fuel economy to somebody like Trump. But in fact, a lot of those uh, policies happened under the Obama administration. So for us, you know, we're in this kind of trap of like Democrats and Republicans when, when basically it's kind of the same wing of the, of a, you know, the same kind of bird. And so it's it's a little bit difficult, even though we would prefer, you know, to have uh, to to be colonized less or more kindly in some regards um, than the more aggressive form of, of Trump, whereas Trump, you know, represented something that was very, you know, it was, it was a naked form of colonialism that was like very easy to grasp. You know, he valorized genociders like Andrew Jackson and, you know, John Wayne and things like that. So that was that was a little bit easier for us. But now now that we have Biden, 
you know, a kind of return of Obama's policy, what we're seeing, and I'm kind of bringing this back to the, the question you were talking about a green transition, what we're seeing in, under the Biden administration is another kind of energy boom and another kind of energy rush. And, you know, this happened also under, it also began under Obama and was very much um, aggressively expanded in, un, under Trump. But Biden, you know, with his $2 trillion uh, green transition plan, you know, he, he commits to transitioning the entire federal fleet, all the cars that the federal government owns into electric vehicles. That requires an immense amount of metal, such as copper, right? And things such as lithium. Where are these things going to come from? Right now, China is like the number one producer of, uh, of copper and lithium. And think the thing with copper and why it's so important is that you can't, the, the kind of copper that's needed in renewable technologies like electric vehicles, wind turbines, solar panels has to be very pure. It has to be uh, mined and, and it has to be mined. It can't be recycled. So it has to come from somewhere, right? And so, you know, Biden gave this kind of speech um, during his campaign, and it wasn't a public speech, but he gave a speech to um, one of the largest mining associations in the United States, basically saying, we're at a dawn of a new era of mining. Um, and just like, you know, the Obama administration wanted to increase domestic oil production to wean ourselves off of uh, foreign imports, we as the United States want to also increase our production and extraction of what we, what we are calling strategic minerals. Um, and that includes lithium, right? That includes uh, copper. And so in, under the Obama administration, there was um, this rider to the, the National Defense Reauthorization Act. And I'm sorry if these like, this is a little bit boring because it, it kind of gets into the weeds a little bit about this stuff, but there was the rider to this, the National Defense Reauthorization Act back in 2012 or 2003, I can't remember, um, in, in uh, an Arizona congressman or senator named John McCain added it basically to, to sacrifice or to designate an area of national forest or um, an area controlled by the um, um, a national forest in, in Arizona, which is also an Apache sacred site to be opened up for mining, copper mining by a company called Rio Tinto. And the idea was that if this mine um, went forward, it would produce uh, the one fifth of the United States need for copper, anticipating this green transition, anticipating this green renewable revolution, right? Um, but still, still dedicated to the kind of extraction mentality and the colonial mentality that we're going to sacrifice. It would be like, I don't know, what's the big church in, in England? St. Paul's Cathedral, maybe, or Westminster Abbey. So imagine if um, a, an Australian mining company came in and decided, said, hey, you know, there's a big, huge uh, copper reserve underneath <laughs> this cathedral, and we're going to have to blow a, you know, a hole in it that's going to go down at least or almost two or one and a half miles or uh, over a kilometer down into the earth. And we're going to have to destroy the entire you know, uh, land around it. Um, we can't compensate, for, can't compensate you for it. We're just going to do it, right? Um, imagine how pissed off people would be. I mean, there, there would be like, you know, I'm sure there'd be riots in the streets or something like that. People would be very upset because you're attacking an, an area that's considered a sacred site, a church, you know, a place of reverence. I'm not, a, I'm not a Christian, but that's what I imagine Christians do. I think they go there and they, you know, they pray to the God. Um, but that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. 
You got it. <laughs> Don't you ride roughshod over my culture. That's my sacred heritage. <laughs> they eat like waffers, right? And they eat like they drink. <laughs> yeah, we have waffers. Yeah, we got some waffers in there. Uh, I mean, it does make it seem particularly offensive that that would be somehow framed as a Green New Deal if part of the Green New Deal is to blow up sacred sites of the indigenous people of the land. I mean, listening to you describe and explain that, Nick, it's difficult to feel optimistic about the Democratic Party, Biden, or much of the rhetoric around climate change, climate concern, and also, may I add to that, the kind of gestural cultural compensations that are offered in the realm of diversity. Surely, if there was any respect at all, the, f- the meaning, like, you know, respect, as long as the respect doesn't affect our economic interests gestures as long as those gestures don't impede the ability of powerful people to continue to pursue their interests for me like this makes like when it comes down to it at least donald trump as you said naked you know what you're dealing with you know what you're dealing with this is what capitalism is this is what capitalism looks like and it makes me feel that much of the left's sort of convulsions and hysteria around trump was an inability to face up to the reality of the political and economic systems that were uh, have been at work you know you tell me you're a historian uh, in your country for you know a couple of centuries makes me feel like you know like i've heard someone people romanticize about the you know quite recently about the constitution as a beautiful document and like I was saying well you know but when they say men what do they mean you know which men etc these are sort of not necessarily novel arguments but they certainly are arguments under which you can necessarily continue to underwrite the sort of American exceptionalism or presumed uh, rectitude in American social politics so where where does it leave you as an indigenous man and as a historian when regarding the sort of the the policies of biden the rhetoric of biden and the sort of renewed optimism and um like the you know a cultural level how how do you see that do you see it as sort of insidious sort of deceptive pointless and where do you put your political optimism if you're enjoying this conversation join me over at luminary for the rest of our discussion for all the latest episodes of under the skin go luminarypodcast.com to start your free trial see you there and thank you